Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everybody and welcome to The Ruck, the podcast from The Times and The Sunday Times. And you might be able to hear that we're, we're slightly different this week because we're out and about. The pod's on tour, Alex. Where are we? Give us the context. Morning. Hello. We're on location. We're actually at the England Team Hotel in Richmond today, uh, Monday morning. We're here to, to hear Eddie Jones announce his squad for the, for the Australia tour. And uh, we're going to sit out here in the sunshine and have a bit of a chin wag about all things that happened over a pretty busy weekend. Yeah, I mean, two big games, one with slightly more sort of pressure and context that yeah. you were at, the Premiership final. I was at the Barbarians game, but... Well, you were at the Premiership final as well. Well, I was at the Premiership final, which, if you can hear my voice, is slightly lower. <laughs> it, was, it was actually my birthday on Sunday, and so I used the opportunity to go to the Prem final with a few mates. So, yeah, Rory, Ben and Dave, they gave me a few beers so there we go <laughs> but how was it from the press seats it was an amazing finish that we'll get into the the full context of it in a bit but just a, a quick verdict on it well I loved it um, I loved it in a different way to the reason I loved last year's final which was open and attacking and high scoring and this was completely the opposite um, and it's one of the reasons we all love the game I don't think I'd want every match to be played like that but on a final day with everything at stake it got to the point like an hour or so in, where you felt that every battleground, that's what I wrote in the paper today, every battleground felt like it was going to turn the game. Every time the Saracens' more defence won a turnover, you thought that that's their route back in, and then and then Leicester got them back down downfield again. I, I thought it was a, just a, a brilliant um, occasion. It wasn't sold out, which uh, was disappointing, but the sight of, must have been 50,000 Leicester fans come down the M1. Um, the car park outside was... It was, was great fun, music, it was a big festival and, and the game, yeah, it wasn't a spectacle but it was um, just so tight and intense and, and, and a real battle and I loved it. Whatever happens in, in matches, that's surely got to be the best way to win a cup with a drop goal in the last 20 seconds, hasn't it? I mean, it, it was quite reminiscent, I was listening to some of the, the commentary from um, Five Live and at, actually at the time... Chris Jones, who does their commentary, it sounded so similar to the Johnny drop goal, the way yeah. he was phrasing yeah. it. And it's, yeah. it's, it's 20 seconds on the clock. This is for the Premiership title. He's got it out. All that sort of stuff. It just must be the most exhilarating thing to do for someone like Freddie Birds. And actually oh. him run, wheeling away. I was, yeah. I was likening it with a couple of mates to when a bowler takes a wicket or there's an amazing catch and he just doesn't quite believe it and he doesn't know where to run, so it's just off. But he was also 
wrestling with himself, wasn't he? Because mm. he was not sure whether to sort of shout at his teammates to catch the kickoff or just go mad. Well, he and was doing both at the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah. As he said to us afterwards, the noises were coming out of his mouth that he's, he's never heard before. <laughs> um, it is, yeah, because it was such a compelling game to me. And, and there were downsides to it. And, and I've seen people commenting about how, how scruffy and ugly it was. But for me, it was compelling. And the tension in it built and built and built. And for it to be one, whichever team was to win it, for it to be one at the death is, is the best way for, for a final to be settled, surely. Yeah, so we'll talk a bit more about the Premiership final and, and the England Barbarians game. Um, and also, later on the podcast, we'll hear from Eddie Jones. He's picking his uh, squad in a bit for the Australia Tour, the three-test tour there, having just been roundly thrashed by the Barbarians um, with George Cruz kicking three conversions. We'll also touch on a little bit of the URC, where the Storm has won that title. And also we'll wrap up with our God, Goddess or Devil of the Week. Probably not a devil, though, after some decent action over the weekend. But anyway, the first thing we will talk about after this little break will be the Premiership Final. Right, so we're recording this on Monday morning. And if you're a Leicester Tigers fan, you are the champions of England for the first time since 2013, 15-12 was the victory. Freddie Burns' drop goal with about 21 seconds left on the clock. As we said at the top, what a way to win it. Um, Freddie's still out on the town, isn't he? He's still out on the town, yeah. If anyone hasn't seen his Instagram stories, then get on there and, and see his progress. He, he's probably trying to break Alex Goo's record from that four-day bender after they won the European o- Cup. Honestly, talking to him afterwards, though, like it, it's just such a great story for, for him. He came in, we spoke to him, he'd given his short, he'd swapped his shorts with a fan to get his first pint, which he necked left-handed in the, in the mouth of the Twickenham Tunnel, and came through, was holding a can of cider. He just, to start with, he couldn't, he, he couldn't um, explain quite what his emotions were. Like, a bit like he was on, on the field when he kicked the drop goal, it sort of wobbled over the, the bar, and he's punching the air, and then suddenly he realises, 20 seconds left, there's going to be a restart. And as he said, you know, he's had his he's had his his days when he's celebrated prematurely that that, that afternoon with, with Bath, where he basically cost them a win against dropped it over the uh, line against dropped Toulouse, over the line, it? cost yeah. them against Toulouse. He was sure that wasn't going to happen, and then afterwards he's face down in the turf, sort of punching the Twickenham turf in in bewilderment and bemusement and joy. I can't quite articulate what it all means, and um, and he's the, he's he, he's the perfect kind of premiership final hero for me because the journey that he's been on it was a decade ago he made his debut off the bench for England and he's bounced around a bit and he had a pretty unhappy time at Bath and he only went to Bath as a make weight for George Ford going the other way but he's a fans player that's the only way I could describe it he's a, bit a of a cult of, hero yeah. he's the kind of guy who recognizes how lucky he is to be as good as he is to be able to play out there and so make just makes the most of it at all times and, and and attacks it with with a joy and a and he he sort of lost that that sense when he ended at Bath and went to Japan and he talks about how Japan had really kind of fired him fired him up fired up his love of of, of rugby again and then he gets a call from Steve Borthwick and, and buys into this into this project which and he took the glory in that last moment and and good for him but so much went into that victory so much detail not just on the day but over the year and uh, I was fortunate went up there a couple of times this season and spent a bit of time behind the, the scenes watching them train and sort of understanding what the what the kind of effort and 
vision was behind trying to lift the biggest club in the country off their knees. You know, we all know they would have been relegated had it not been for the salary cap offences and, and, and to bring them back up to the top in two seasons. And so much has gone into it and, and so much intricate thought from recruitment. Just, let's say recruitment to start with. I mean, Freddie Burns was one, but Richard Wigglesworth, Jasper Visa. Um, Liebenberg who scored in the final as well. These guys have been so important. Picking up Chris Ashton halfway through the season. Yeah, inspired that, wasn't it? You know, and some really intelligent recruitment. Um, and they have found an environment that Borthwick has created which is built on hard work. Like They work harder than they've ever worked before. And, and Ellis Kenji will tell you, it's like, we thought we used to work hard before and then Steve arrived. But... Um, there's a levity to it, and that's one of the reasons why Burns is such an important character. He energy he, giver, I think. Energy the phrase, giver. He lifts it? the mood. He's just, you know, he's a bit, he's a bit of a maverick sense of humour, a bit of an oddball, uh, and but in, in the best possible way. And and they just struck this balance, and that detail, and the thought that goes in every every day of every week at, at Leicester. I thought, I thought Sean on Saturday, where they imposed. A sort of a Saracen-style game plan mm. on Saracens. Mark McCall said we, we got suffocated. Mako said we just couldn't. They didn't let us play. And I, I, I thought period halfway through the second half, Leicester had been in Saracens territory for 10, 15 minutes with no points. And that's the moment you think Saracens are going to win this game because that's how Saracens win. Yeah. They suck it up, they soak it up, and then they hit. Yeah. And there were moments when. I talked earlier about all these mini battlegrounds. You thought that's the turning point. Itoji wading through and mm. more turnovers they were winning, backed up with a scrum penalty, and you thought that's how it's they're now back turning. In it. Yeah. They're back in it, and Leicester just went back down the other end and kept kept the pressure on. And I, we wrote about a couple of small details in the paper today to just illustrate, really. And I thought, I thought the Jasper Visa try, um, which the more I watched it. On Sunday, so clever. Well, the more it? clever, or the more things you spot. You know, they they five meter scrum penalty. The first thing that caught everyone by surprise was they didn't go for another scrum. Yeah, they opt for the quick tap. If you watch it, Wigglesworth just edges Genji in field a bit to create a slightly wider blindside. Mm. But all the body language, all the alignment suggests they were going to tap it and go go to the left, go go open. To the point that when when Genji taps the penalty, Julio Montoya standing there with his hands on his hips on the on the selling side, a selling a dummy, selling a total yeah. like I'm not involved in this. Yeah. Genji taps it, veers to the right. Montoya latches on. Wigglesworth comes round, shapes to pass left, but Visas wraps around the corner, wave two on the blind, and they score. And it's clearly planned, and and the execution of it and the the illusion of it. It's just so clever. Almost like an old school. I mean, we had the bar bars on Sunday, which we'll talk about, but their little like wall move from a penalty. Yeah. Not quite that sort of fun, but the, as you said, the detail um, was incredible. And actually, that particular try where I was sitting at Twickenham was right in front of me, and I think I bought the dummy as well. I was looking the other way. Yeah. And they went absolutely. down the blind side. It was a great finish, wasn't it? And then Dan Cole on the latch just to push him over the line. And then take the, take the drop goal as another example. We've got Freddie Burns going to explain it from his perspective here but Steve Borthwick is in the, in the stand starting to wonder whether they're actually going to go for this drop goal at all but actually the composure they showed to just keep hold of the ball and work the field position until they were ready it's just quite often we, we look at 
international teams in particular and think they're overcoached and they don't they don't feel the game and they don't they can't work it out for themselves on the field and that wasn't the case here. They are very well coached, but uh, as as Freddie will describe, it was about feeling the moment on the, on the pitch. So here is Freddie Burns and. It actually looked like he wasn't going to drop back into the pocket, but this is him explaining why he did that and how he kicked that winning drop goal that won the Premiership. A little bit we rehearsed and stuff, but not too much, I think. And I also don't like sitting in the pocket for ages, so that's why I was, you know, people saying, oh, you weren't really looking for it. In my head, I'm going, I know I'm hitting a drop goal. But the minute you sit in the pocket, you get a scrum half, whoever it is, lining you up. So I try to stay a little bit flatter and then drop a bit later. Even that, that said, I still had, I think, three or four blokes putting pressure on me. Um, but I positioned myself nicely to the right of the ruck, just so if the pressure came from the outside, I knew that even if I hooked it a bit, I had a chance. And like I say, I, I didn't strike it. It's not the best-looking drop goal in the world. But, hey, when it goes over, I'm, yeah, it's nice. Like I said, don't care how they go over, shit or not. But Every fly after is a Johnny Wilkinson moment. Exactly, that, well, that was it. You know, I remember being 13, watching that, and it's just to be... I made noises... After I hit that drop goal, I've never heard come out of my mouth in my life. I didn't know what to do. I was just, I was in disbelief. So that was Freddie Burns, the hero of the Premiership final, talking about his match-winning drop goal. Just thinking, Alex, from the Saracens' perspective, they're so close to being Premiership champions at the first time of asking coming back after their relegation. Personally, I don't know if you'd agree with me here, but I think it's actually better for Premiership rugby, and Saracens fans won't agree with me, that they didn't win the league, that Leicester did. Because I just think Saracens coming back and winning it the first time of asking, as we said, isn't an amazing look for everyone else, that they were they were sort of consigned to the championship and then they come back and they're just the best team again. What do you make of that? I think um, they were driven by this desire to prove they could win it clean, if that's the right word. Like that, They maintain internally and have done the whole way through that the, the titles that they won in the previous era were were down to the, the spirit and the unity and the hard work and, and, and the tactics that they all put in. Um, I don't... I'm sure that was a massive part of it, but you can't... It wasn't all of it because you only had to look at the bench that they, they had on on the weekend. You know, two or three years ago, they'd have been bringing on Will Skelton or, or Liam Williams or, you know... Depth was enormous for them, and, and that rubbed off on on everyone. Um, I thought that the way they built back into this season after a slowish start, and the way that some of the players who were most affected by the relegation, like, like a Billy Vunapola, a Mako, an Owen Farrell, whose whose form really that it was affected, and you know they some of them lost their England places, and 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 even when Owen was was still being picked, he was struggling. I thought that was really impressive how they've grown back in and, and they finished the season playing really, really well. Um, but if you're looking for a, if you're looking for the perfect narrative on a season, you know, is the, a few of us were we trying to find the right R word over the in the previews. Like it's not it's not redemption for for Saracens because they put their hands up, but it was of their own making. It is more so for for Leicester. Um, a club that was just on a, on a downward spiral and really nearly went out of business and mismanagement from both sides really, but for different means. But for, for different reasons and, and you know rug, for, for rugby reasons, the, the narrative I think just fits more comfortably with a lot of people. 
of, of the way that, that Leicester did it. That said, you start next season, Saracens will be favourites to win the league. Yeah, and they will be absolutely fizzing. Can you imagine yeah. the September, October Saracens coming back, having got that close? Yeah. Because I, I yeah. suppose also, I mean, I'm not, I don't for one second think that they would have dipped off if they had won the title. But if they had won it, it would have been such a full stop on the whole saga that they could have parked it and said, right, that emotional energy has now passed and we've got mm. to find something else. But they've almost now got a comma rather than a full stop because they've still not sort of scratched the itch completely, have they? They haven't, but I'm hoping that from our perspective, next season isn't dominated oh, yeah, by can, yeah, you know, yeah. can, they, can they come back and can they prove what they've done? Like, for me, they have... They've got new motivation, is what I mean. Yeah, 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 they, yeah, they, they do. And and one of their mantras has always been they don't judge the success of the season on whether they win the final or not. Mm. And I think that I guess what I'm trying to say is that that applies very much to, to this season. Um, are they de- devastated they didn't win the league? Of, co- of course, to have come that close. But on the day they didn't deserve to win it. Leicester were the better team, and over the course of the season, Leicester were the better team. So. In that, in that sense, the title has gone to, to the right place, but it will knowing how they how they get their players going, how they um, utilise these experiences, they will be fired up next season. Just going back to Leicester as well, it's quite interesting, isn't it? I'm trying to think, rack my brains, but it's not often that the Premiership winners are losing key men. They're losing their captain Ellis mm. Genge. They're losing George Ford, their talismanic fly half, who sadly had to hobble off in that game and that's mm. why we had that Freddie Burns moment because Ford would have been on for the whole game otherwise um, intra- it's, it's odd to say that they might have to transition again but they probably will won't they because the, the team not all of it but some of it's breaking up and you might if you're Ellis Genge you might be thinking oh have I gone a bit early here maybe less so Lord George Ford because he's moving home to sale and he's got businesses and I think he has been doing a bit of commuting from the northwest and stuff like that but it's an interesting year for yeah. Steve Borthwick, especially with what might come after it, if he is this sort of anointed chosen one for the England job as well. Yeah, I'm not so, I'm not convinced by that yet. Uh, we can talk about that, but I, um, I think, I think Ellis Gaines thing's really interesting because one of the things he said after after the match was, you know, he, he's going to miss that that place and he he needs to return to Bristol. There are there are important family reasons, and that's fine. Doesn't mean he's not going to miss the interaction he, he talked about how important Steve Borthwick has been for him he said he, he's kept me he's pushed me hard he's kept me grounded he's kept me going and I hope that Steve will be happy to stay in touch with me for the next 12 months now Borthwick being the, the bloke he is I'm sure he will um, maybe may, not in two weeks of the may, season yeah right? a couple <laughs> of weeks of the season they, they might be on in a, a no comms mode but in general that's the kind of bloke that, that he is I think Genge will Genji's going to feel the wrench massively. He's captained that team. He's lifted the trophy with Tom Youngs. Um, he spoke really emotionally afterwards about some of the great Leicester names coming up to him and saying, "You're, you know, you're a true tiger." And he's like, "That that means an enormous amount, almost more than the medal that was around his neck, because mm. because it showed that through the through the the years when when they were on the slide, when fans were chucking season tickets at the players, and like he stuck there and." and has helped turn it round, it's going to be a real wrench for him to go. And it's going to be quite a shock rebuild in, in a lot of ways because you don't replace Ellis Genge, A, as a, as, as a loose head prop, but also as, as a captain that easily. And, and it's one of the things that 
Saracens haven't had to do very much. Is you know they've evolved their team, um, and they, they've, they've never had, really lost superstars, and we kind of know why now. But they yeah. never, the team never broke up much so after and they won anything. There's enormous responsibility on Andre Pollard coming in um, to replace George Ford to to understand what it is that he's becoming, he's joining and being part of, and and to take on that that leadership role. Uh, he's a different. He could do a lot of the same things that Ford does. He's a, he's a different type of player. He's not quite as much of a triple threat as Ford is, um, albeit we didn't see Ford running that often. But it's always there. He did in the semi, to be he, fair, he, didn't exactly, he? Exactly, yeah. he did in the semi, and it is always there as a as a, as a threat. So you know, so Borthwick will and and <laughs> knowing him as we do, by now Monday Monday, Monday morning, <laughs> he's already thinking right. How do we how yeah. do we sort this for next season? How do we go again? Um, it'll be a different dynamic. There'll be different voices, different leaders. Um, fascinating test of his of his coaching. And just on the point you made about about England, I mean, obviously, after after Saturday, there were comment pieces and tweets and discussions everywhere about one man for the job. There's only that. one man yeah. to replace Eddie in in 2023, and um, he is unquestionably in pole position. Apart from Apart from anything, when the RFU have sort of outlined roughly where, how they view the succession plan, everything there's only one man who fit, ticks all the boxes. Yeah. One man who could potentially link up with an England management team at the next World Cup. It's only it's only Borthwick. I have spoken to a couple of people who, um, pretty influential, who would would just go, let's just take a pause for a second. No one's saying he couldn't do it. It's more, what's why rush? Why rush? Like. Is is now the best time for him? He's two years into being head coach. Maybe it is, and maybe he's so far ahead of of any other candidates and Andy Farrell in the eyes of the RFU that that it is his job and, and more power to him. All I'm saying is let's let's just hold off for a second. He's only done it for two years. He's only 42. You can get these jobs too soon. Timing can be everything. He's ahead of schedule on on his plan at, at Leicester. That's the other thing. They're only two years in. They've already won the league. That was not in their big strategic plan might he be better and might England be gain more if they just go if they wait and make that phone call in 2027 yeah I, I don't think there's any doubt that he has all the credentials to do the job but if he was asked to do it in 2023 um, at the moment it looks like that he's got everything needed to to bring an intelligence and a, and a hum, human kind of man management side to that the job that, that's required one thing what we move on a little bit from the actual match itself and just thinking about the the occasion mm. so we say it wasn't sold out mm. um, maybe had a similar amount of fans to the Harlequins big game at Christmas which came right out of Covid mm. and actually was quite a good effort to get 72,000 to that with all the regs and all that at that time just after Christmas um, Premiership Rugby talked about it being a Super Bowl moment. Simon Massey-Taylor's talked to us about that, hasn't he? Um, one of the head coaches, Mark McCall, didn't do any media at all in the week, which is disappointing. You yeah. wouldn't see that in lots of big grown-up sports around the world, that no. one of the top coaches doesn't say a word all week. No. And he's a different type of character, isn't he? He's not Alex Anderson. He's not a sort of quotes machine and doesn't enjoy it. But where do we feel like the weekend was for Premiership Rugby as a sort of sports league? Um, I thought, I thought they put on a good show. I mean, I, I, around the rugby, I thought it was 
anyone who went would have had a great day. I mean, you were there, if you can. Same about remember. the rain, but yeah, they but can't the, But the music that. in the car park <laughs> and the, you know, I think it was a great. Did you hear Sophia Ellis Baxter, by the way? Because I don't think I didn't see where she was. There was she was at, no, I didn't. She was out in the car park. I was think. she right? Yeah, Must have gone to the wrong one. Feeling. Um, <laughs> so I thought, as an as an occasion, it was it was it was excellent. But it always is. It always is excellent. The the what we're talking about here is how you open it up to to more people to for for more people to understand how how good a day it is. And I think for it not to be sold out was was a shame. I think the um, the fact it was on ITV four. Bumped off for Ascot, wasn't it? Bumped basically, off for Ascot, which they knew. They knew when they signed this deal, and that's next year. It'll be on on the main channel. That'll help. This is very in-house, a kind of media chat. But they need to improve. They need to improve engagement with the public, and therefore that you know that comes through through the media. So the uh, all, all the the general kind of media interviews access were done Monday and Tuesday, very early in the week. Um, as you say, Mark McCall didn't do anything. It, 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 I think a massive amount can can improve in terms of engagement um, to, to sell to sell the final. You know, there are some brilliant stories in these teams, individual tales, um, and it it felt like it was done on a on a shoestring. Yeah, and Agreed. if you if you look at as I have the Super Bowl media access mm. and the way that they try and tell their story in. In an NFL, you know, the culmination of the NFL, it is miles away from the way that the Premiership rugby had their final week set yeah, up. Yeah. And I think they'll, I think they'll learn from it because when, when we've spoken to Simon Massey Taylor and he's been on this pod, he gets it. He knows. He wants to and got he, progressive ideas about how to make it better. He wants yeah. these stories to be told, and, and he's only been there six months. And so let's let's give him a let's yeah. give him a, a, a chance. Uh, I, it was a, it was frustrating that it it. it it was as hard as it was to to tell some of these great yeah. stories in in the biggest week of of the season. Um, they they also have, they fight on the back of the final by the fact that England always played the next day. Yeah, and everyone moves on quite quickly. Inevitably, that moves the the the, the agenda on so quickly. Yeah. that I don't think their the day in the sun is the Sunday papers and a bit of the Monday papers. And, and, and we do our it. best in the Monday. Yeah, but if the if the England story is as big as it you know, as it was whether it's good or bad that inevitably eats into yeah. the attention and, and the discussion about about the final when actually it deserves an enormous build-up through the week and it's placed in the sun sunday and monday also i would i mean maybe this is a bit mediary but maybe it's related to the fans too but it's nothing they can change now because they restructured the way the calendar works but the season's too long and it ends too late in my opinion that's absolutely true the you start in September, and by the time you get... I mean, we were joking a month or so ago that we had two months left of our season still, and we've still got a month left of it with the tours to come. The tests are all now in July. The season used to finish on about the 28th of May. Champions League final day was often the same day as the Premiership yeah. final. And even just looking this week at newspaper coverage, which isn't the sort of be-all and end-all for it all, but our our place and lots of other places had barely any rugby at all in the early part of this week and it was all about Johnny Bairstow's cricket innings mm. it was all about the Nations League football it was all about Ascot and it was all about swimming and any, anything else and it wasn't about rugby and this is meant to be the, the absolute pinnacle of the English club rugby season and it's getting swallowed up by all these other essentially summer 
events. And they're lucky, actually, as well, that there isn't a Summer World Cup now because everyone would be in beer gardens watching England play Iran or whatever. It's only that that's now in the winter that they've 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 lucked out and they're not getting beaten by that too i couldn't agree more we're we're dealing with a season that's too long that sags at points um it's it's battling to to retain people's interest all the way through and then you get to the the climax of it there's you know there's matthew fitzpatrick winning the u.s open there's england winning test matches as you say there could be a, a football world cup and in most summers most every other summer there'll be a big football tournament and we've done it to to try and align with Super rugby and the southern hemisphere, but actually, I don't think it's helping the northern. And, and I, listen, I know that there are executives who who agree with that. Um, let's see once this, the global calendar, the international dates in the global calendar are set, it gives a chance to to readjust. And and I, I would I'd go back to well, I'd go to a shorter season. And, and you know, these games are being played in beautiful weather. Apart, you know, it was a bit grey on on the final day, but. And it can it can lend to to some wonderful rugby, but if you're trying to find your window, I'm not sure it helps to be culminating at the end of June. Well, we better wrap up our Premiership rugby chat there because Eddie Jones is just about to announce his touring party for the three test trip to Australia. We'll get into a bit of that in a second and talk about that Barbar's defeat, 52-21. Good lord! Yeah, well, it's another step towards the World Cup. Um, and the balance for the World Cup is going to be about good, experienced players with youth and enthusiasm, and their and their enthusiasm coming through. Um, so I think it's a nice, balanced squad. Uh, Billy, guys like Billy and and Danny Care deserve their their recall. Um, we'll add the experience to the squad, and then you've got young guys like Arundel, Will Joseph, uh, Schickling. Yeah, you know, there's a whole cast of them that are going to add some enthusiasm to the squad. So, yeah, we like the balance. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.
Right, so that was England head coach Eddie Jones, and as you heard him say there, the top line from it was, Billy Vinopola is back in the England squad for the first time since the 2021 Six Nations. been a long old time. If he was on the winning side on Saturday at the Premiership final, he may well have been man of the match. And Danny Kerr has been retained too after his exile. He came off the bench against the Barbars on Sunday. So initial thoughts on, on those two returning, Alex? Um, well, both have earned it. I mean, no question. Whatever we think of the reasons of the consistency of selection, which has been a bit all over the place at times, we can't, you can't argue that the way that Danny's played for, for well, since he last played for England, really, you know, winning a, a league with Harlequins, and he, I think he's probably playing the best rugby of his career. Uh, deserves inclusion as a senior figure in in the scrum half cohort going to Australia with, with no Ben Youngs. Um, he'll be there with Harry Randall and Jack Van, Jack Van Portfleet, who wasn't involved for Leicester at the weekend, but they rate him enormously, uh, enormously highly. And Billy, well, as you say, was it 25 carries. He led he led the Saracens assault on uh, on Saturday, and he's been. As we said earlier, actually, he's been growing and growing through this season, rediscovering the old Billy. And I just think back to the World Cup 2019 and he wasn't fully fit and he wasn't firing and, and Eddie was picking him in every game in the hope that, that the next one would be the, t- the day that, he, that the, it all clicks and he's, and he's back. And it never quite happened, it never quite happened. And in the end, Billy was one of the that group of five um, senior players, four from Saracens, who who were dropped by Eddie. At the, at the and he wrote that I don't think some of them will ever play for England again, and he's almost picked all of them. At the start of, of the season, and over again. the course of the year, they've now all come back. You know, Billy's now on tour, Mako's back. Jamie w- George what a final Mako had as well, by the way. Yeah. Jamie George has, has re-established himself in, in, in the team. George Ford, um, not sure if he would have gone on tour or not, but he's injured. He's been back in. Daly came back in for a bit. He's not here. I just think England need... England need both Billy and Danny Kerr in Australia as well. You know, if you look at the the deficiencies they had in in the Six Nations, that they, they lack pace and they lack power. And with Billy at number eight, different type of number eight to Alex Dombrant, who is injured and and not not touring. Different type of number eight. But if he if you get twenty five gain line busting carries out of Billy Vunipola on a hard track in Perth, England are going to be on the front foot, and they've got. Cock and a singer in the squad who I have a real sense might may well start. We've got Johnny May back involved again. He wasn't there in the Six Nations. Both scored on the weekend. Yeah. So they've suddenly got when Eddie talks about um, gas and guts, they have both they're missing players, but they they have both of those back, even without Manu. Um, and they're both critically important selections, I think. So just on the on the administration of the squad, I suppose. Um, as Alex mentioned, there's no Ben Youngs and there's obvious reasons why he would benefit from a summer off with the tragic news about his sister-in-law Tiffany dying earlier this month. Um, it was clarified by Eddie that he's been rested for this summer, so that wasn't a sort of dropping, um, which makes lots of sense. And Joe Marler's not on a tour either, hasn't been on a tour for a while. The last trip away really was the World Cup, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I'm not surprised he's not going. Yeah. And then Alex Dombrandt injured his knee on Friday in training, was an un- in a knee brace at the Barbarians game, so hence Billy Vinopola's call-up. It would have been interesting if Don Brandt was fit, whether Billy would have made it. I think he should. I think, I think he would have done. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think England need him, and I think the way that he's been playing, if he's got his mind right. I mean, we talk about media access. Billy hasn't done an interview all season. Eighteen months, maybe. 
also he's and it and a lot of the time we we've talked to you know Billy's such a he wears his heart on his sleeve and he's very introspective and and I think Eddie has just suggested to him just keep your head down you know show me what you can do on the, on the pitch don't beat yourself up in public which is quite often what, what he does yeah, you know, yeah. he's very very self-critical um, and through that whole period of where he was struggling really for his best he would he'd be very open um, whether the two are connected I, I think I think it, they might be because he's he's just decided to keep himself focused on on his rugby and and England I think he would have been picked because of how well he's playing and, and because of what England need to do to win in Australia. Um, you know, Eddie's gone back to a couple of a couple of old old favourites, if you like, who, you know, one of whom he sort of fell out with with Danny, but but they've patched things up and Eng- England need him. I think on the care pick, really pleased for him as a bloke because he's been playing fantastic rugby since he got dropped. And I think he's been freed up by being dropped and stopped overthinking it. But I, what I would say is that I, I hope for his sake that this isn't a, a gratuitous pick to keep him out. I mean, the Barbas thing might have been a bit different, but if you're picking Danny Kerr in a squad, play him. Mm. There's no point taking a 35-year-old on a tour and not giving him a shot. And I think he will get one. Oh, everything that, that we heard today from... Eddie suggests he's right in the mix to start, and and I think he should be. He's a form nine in the country. Well, you'd think, probably say uh, with yeah. him and Mitchell, who isn't actually in the squad. Who, who, yeah, who isn't there? Who's been brilliant for Northampton? Yeah, they're listing ten injured players, but if you go through the likely starting fifteen, it's it's it's, an, it's a step forward from from the Six Nations in in, in yeah. my view because Freddie Stewart will start fullback. Yeah, Johnny May will start on one wing. Watson, if he's absolutely fully fit and firing as a starter, isn't he? But hasn't been for a long time no. and isn't going. And isn't going. So then the other wing, you're looking at Jack Noel or Joe Cocker seeing him. You know, different types of player, but that's the power. That's the kind of the nuggety um, fighting. That's the guts. Guts. That's the guts. Yeah. And, and May's the gas. Midfield, you get a Marcus Smith, Owen Farrell, and Joe, Joe Marchant. Marchant, and two Langy as ever, was always going to play, but he's not fit. And we were talking the other week about Slade on the podcast, and then after we'd recorded that, he had shoulder surgery, yeah. so he's not going either. So, yeah, And I think, I think Farrell's inclusion will be really important to Marcus Smith um, to just, again, a different type of 12 to the one he's used to at, at, at Harlequins. Not, not an absolute sort of monster 12 like, like Andre Essay. And like gain-line busting 12. But yeah. he will... It'll just free him, give him that, that extra second of space, and they'll, they'll interchange. And then nine is is Randall or Care. Um, I don't think Van Portfleet will start a test, but it's Randall or Care. And then up front, even without some of the some of the big names, they're going to start with Genge, Luke Dickey who just walked past us, or or Jamie George. Yeah, um, tight heads maybe an issue. Shipling's going. They'll start with Will and Stewart. Will Stewart and sinkers out. Joe Hayes will be on the bench. Yeah, you'd think second row be Marotoji and Charlie Yules. and Charlie. No, Johnny Hill. Yeah, Johnny Hill. Yeah, yeah, Marotoji, yeah. Johnny Hill probably. And Laws then back, at six. Back row be Laws at six. Curry seven. Billy, Billy at eight. At eight. With good team, really. With options it? of Underhill and and Willis. Um, Charlie Yules will probably be on on the bench. You'd think the backup hooker will be a will, uh, will be British Irish Lion, whichever way they go. Um, they've got. You know, and, and there's some other interesting. Like Guy Porter's really interesting. Yeah, so he's pick. one of the uncapped guys. First call up for him. From yeah, Leicester, yeah. Um, veteran of Sydney University, and 
going back down under. But Actually what a, born in Kensington, I think, yeah. but spent time in Aussie, yeah. But what a what a season yeah. he's had with, with Leicester and, and England are looking at him as a as a twelve thirteen. But as he's shown for Leicester he can he can play on the wing. He's the just the perfect sort of bench type player and, and it was really interesting listening to Eddie there about why he picked some of these younger Leicester players and he talked about how they are of test match standard. Mm. Like they're playing they know how to win test matches. Most of them haven't played a test match. No. Bad Buffett hasn't played a test match. Um Porter hasn't played a test match. But he Hayes, also, but then well. Hayes has played, played the USA cup, or Canada, yeah. yeah. But then in the same conversation Eddie described the final as a test match. Yeah. Because of the It kind of was though, well, wasn't it? It, yeah. it felt like it because of the intensity and the physicality of it. Mm. And they were uh, and they were excellent in there. So um that that connection between Eddie and Borthwick and into Leicester is I mean there's a, Eddie will trust a lot His of those judgment, players yeah. and trust trust the judgment of, of Steve Borthwick. So the other couple to just mention there that were in the squad that are listed as apprentices are the, mm. the 19-year-olds from London Irish, Arundel, Henry Arundel and Will Joseph. And I think the usual form of the apprentices is probably not going to play unless they're absolutely sensational. He, he, he said he might think about it, but at the moment, unlikely that they're going to play. I can't see them playing. I mean, he's got, he's got Stewart start at 15 and then if Stewart is injured then Furbank will probably start at 15 yeah. I mean it would have to be a crisis I think uh, just because of the he, he likes with these with players who he who he really identifies as the future he, he's very very measured in, in the steps that he takes I mean, Genge and Sinclair were the 2016 they weren't I suppose asterisked but, it but they were taken and not didn't play for, for the same reason yeah and we've seen it with Marcus Smith didn't go on a tour but just very measured in, in how he introduces them Johnny Hill as well was 2018 mm-hmm. South Africa got on the bench and was one of those guys that never actually got a cap and he was speaking in camp on Friday and saying how much he thinks he matured just seeing what the standard was seeing yeah. what guys like Mike Brown and Owen Farrell and Chris Robshaw were doing and then going oh god I've got to really step up and from talking to, to players who've, who've been in that position to be able to commit to the training and the environment without the pressure of trying to win selection is really useful I think like Henry Arundel can go down and he can try things in training and he can make a mistake and he can make make the wrong decision and but without the pressure of thinking oh I've just cost myself a, a place in the team and I think it helps bring the best out of them um, and if they need them then they'll be there and they're listen we'll, everything we hear yeah we've, we've seen Will Joseph play a bit for, for Irish but everything you hear from in the camp like there are guys going wow this kid and we, you know, we all know what Henry Arundel can do with, with the pace that he's got. Um, they're only 19. I can see them both being in a World Cup squad in was it 18 months' time. But Eddie will will take care of them to make sure that that they're blooded at, at the right time. So England are now. We, we need to change our language maybe in the paper if we're talking about getting on the flight because they're getting on the flights because there's four of them I think because there's so yeah. much demand for <laughs> seats to Australia that they're going on four separate planes over Tuesday and Wednesday and arriving all told on Thursday I think in Perth and then so first test is July the 2nd in Perth yeah. then they go to Brisbane for the se- the second one and then they end at the Sydney cricket ground massive tour for Eddie Jones surely isn't this yeah. I mean yeah. quite a few parallels of 2018 with a poor Six Nations then you come through and get beaten pumped, easily by the, by the Barbars yeah. and that trip was South Africa they lost the first two and it was kind of 
vote of confidence time bringing yeah. up Bill Sweeney yeah. and people like that and so oh, it wasn't Bill Sweeney at that point was it but Andy Coslett I think it was chairman, um, yeah. and asking do you have the confidence in Eddie Jones and they sort of did and then they Danny Cipriani and Johnny May won them that final rainy test in Cape Town it saved the bacon a bit mm. and then we know what they did in 2019 but is there a feeling you're actually going on a tour Alex and you and Steve will be there Stephen Jones for the Sunday Times covering it fully that if England lose the first one it starts getting a bit big on them yeah I mean definitely when they went to Australia six years ago on the back of of a grand slam we they bounced up bounced back from the world cup won the slam went down there Eddie was front foot this is body line we're going after them and then they they lived it and you know I guess Haskell was the the embodiment of that trip um just smashing people goal line defensive stand um really uh really like emphatic performance this time round they they need to do the same but they're doing it on the back of of some really disappointing results and and this is this is where the the RFU sort of explanation for their confidence in in this setup will be put to the test. England came third in the Six Nations, but really there's no difference between third and fifth. They lost three out of Same five. Same results, yeah. They lost three out of five. Um, but the feeling and the, the messaging from inside Twickenham was strong, positive steps forward, none of which we could really see on the outside. Well this is the tour where they need to deliver upon those that vision because if they come back having been beaten and, and the thing about the Wallabies is we don't quite know what they're going to be they're, they'll be stronger than they were last November because they've got Quade Cooper Samu Karevi Marika Korobeti they're all back involved they were, they were out in Japan last November the Brumbies have been really good in Super Super Rugby were, were a drop goal away from uh, or a missed drop goal away from qualifying for the Super Rugby final they'll be at home they'll be pumped because it's England sold out grounds Eddie keeps mentioning those and they'll probably sense a bit of blood and it's an enormous tour for England yeah Yeah. just on the bar bars I was at that on Sunday (laughs) there's a different context always to bar bars games and depends who the bar bars pick and that 2018 team they picked was stacked wasn't it with I think it was back row with Justin Tipperick in it and Reese Webbers at scrum half and Finn Russell and Semi Randranda and Chris Ashton scored a hat trick. But this time it was the sort of the French. They, in France they were calling it the Barbars Britannique, but it was coached obviously by Galtier and Edwards, and they absolutely took England to the cleaners. And it was looking through your finger stuff at times. I mean, 37 minutes in, Will Skelton gets sent off and you go, ah, that's going to kill the game then cut to the Barber scoring five more tries extending their lead from three points to 31 by the end and if you're an England player you're standing under the sticks watching a bloke you know George Cruz kicking goals with his back heel and then kicking one after the eighth try with all his team slow clapping him that is embarrassing they've taken the mick out of England you wrote it in your match report yeah they were laughing at them. Um, and Eddie afterwards tried to explain, look, we're trying something else. We're not going to run the ball from our own 22 and get pumped by 50 in Australia. But I think on the on the back of a poor Six Nations, an attack that's misfiring, the defence was all over the place. And that is, They keep saying there's a young England team, but that was not a young, young mm. inexperienced mm. team when you've got Johnny May, you've got Courtney Laws, you've got Tom Curry, Sam Underhill, you've got people who've played in World Cup finals. 
whether that's the barbels or not, that is a shocker. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, it was. Um, and there's no. It's easy afterwards to go. Well, oh, this is only an England fifteen. It's not really a. Didn't sell it as an England fifteen. It was an England. He tried to on Friday before the game uh, and said, well, "Look, lads, you just it's seen not the Barbarians team." But, yeah. and I think in 2018 it was written that they were losing six in a row because then they went out to South Africa and lost the first two. And he'd always correct that and say, mm. "No, no, it's five. Come on, don't count the Barbarians." Yeah. But don't count them when you win them then as well. I mean, it's. It, <sighs> you called it a practice match. Yeah, and a today. festival and, game and, is what he said. I as get well. that to a degree. I mean, it it, it isn't what they were facing Perth in, in a fortnight's time um, isn't quite the same intensity but they have been in camp for like the majority of that's going to be in yeah. camp for a long time and they're, they're either they're either top I mean like one Will Collier fascinated me a week earlier I was at Stonex Stadium in, for the semi-final and he was responsible for demolishing the Saracen scrum mm. he was unbelievable and then he got the well he would have had the Shepherds Crook after 25 minutes or something yeah. And he got substituted twice, actually, in the yeah. game, poor bloke, because he came back on because Patrick Schickling had to have an HIA when Skelton hit him in the face and got sent off. And then, so Collier came back on, and then Collier got substituted again, again. for Will Goodrick-Clark, who's usually a loose head. And now Collier's not on the trip, he's not on the tour. I mean, to me, I mean, not a scrum expert, but it looked like Bevan Rod was struggling a little bit more. But we know that Eddie's really keen on Bevan Rod, so it possibly protect the young bloke mm. in that one because he was getting working over by the Georgian tighthead. Basically it doesn't help does it? I mean whether no. it's a f- festival game or not, coming off the back of a disappointing Six Nations and you've got a massive tour ahead with a lot of pressure and results are uh, the need to deliver results is getting greater and greater, that just doesn't help. Absolutely not Right, so we're going to have loads more over the summer on England. As we were saying, Alex and Steve are going to be going down under. They're flying off this weekend. Are you looking forward to it? It's going to be a good trip? Yeah, I was really looking forward to it. What was the last tour you went on? World Cup. World Cup, World Cup. Yeah. I didn't get to do Lions because we had to send reduced numbers to South Africa. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. I've not been to Australia since 2000. You lived there for a bit, did you? I lived there and worked. 2002 to 2004. It was my first job as a, as a reporter. It was actually in Australia for the Press Association, timed it brilliantly. Ashes Tour, Rugby World Cup. Yes. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, loved it, and then came back in 04. And then the last time I was there was 2010, England's Tour in, in 10, when uh, Jono was head coach. They lost, they absolutely m- murdered Australia up front in Perth and lost the game somehow. And then one in Sydney, Johnny came off the bench, kicked the winning penalty through the same... <laughs> set, set of posts that he'd he'd kick the drop the, the drop goal. Um, there were two midweek games on that trip, mm. and a, and then a, a trip over to Napier to, to play okay. the Maori. Um, Times change. Five game tour. It was that was good. Yeah. So it'd be fun to go back. And I've not seen a, a game of rugby at the Sydney Cricket Ground before. I've seen cricket yeah. and Aussie rules. They haven't really played there properly since the eighties. I don't think. No. So there you go. No. So yeah, Alex and Steve will be recording from hotel rooms and bars and all sorts of stadiums Be- beaches. and beaches and. Everything. So we're crying them loads of rivers that they're getting on a nice trip <laughs> while we're sitting at home. I'm taking the, the direct flight to Perth. 17 London. hours in a window seat. At Good the luck. moment, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if anyone wants to give him an upgrade, he's all ears. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm flying <coughs> Qantas QF1 to, uh, to Perth. No, I Any mean, kind I, rock listeners. I just think it would be quite an interesting experience because Lions toured two years, World Cup four years, there'll be thousands and thousands of... Uh, of, of rugby fans flying down there so yeah. I'll, I'll report back on what it's like being in that 
on that direct flight to Perth. So the next time you hear from Alex and Steve, they will be on the ground down under. Um, but now we're going to wrap up this week's episode with the God or Goddess of the Week. Right, so while we think of the God or Goddess of the Week nomination, just have a quick mention of the Stormers who won the United Rugby Championship, the first ever United Rugby Championship. Stephen Kitsoff lifting that new, slightly odd trophy that Al Dimmitt was talking about <laughs> yeah. next, last week. Um, and just interesting from maybe a sort of more... Uh, British-y perspective that they're coming into the Champions Cup next season that'd be a bit different I think it'll it'll make it feel closer to home I mean I know our listeners in, in Wales or, or Scotland or Ireland are, are used to playing against South African franchises they did it in the Rainbow Cup and, and now in URC in England it, watching that final it still felt like it could have been a Curry Cup final or a um, I mean, Super Rugby final it felt like a Southern Hemisphere event seeing the Stormers come to, to play premiership teams in Europe, seeing the Bulls do the same, I think will will help engagement in that in that competition. Um, and whether you like it or not, they're going to be a force in Europe, aren't they? Live Ruck from Cape Town is in the wish list for, I think, next season. But <laughs> we'll sure. leave that there. Um, that's one for our paymasters. But um, God or Goddess of the Week time, Alex, is there... Are you going obvious or are you going... <laughs> I, mean, I don't know how... Well, am I going obvious? I think you have to. I mean, yeah. I, I'm I'm happy to to nominate somebody else, but Freddie Burns is going to win it, right? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. because he had the glory moment, um, and he's just such a good bloke, and he represents a lot of what we would like to see in our in in, in the heroes that the kids can watch. He's a he's personable, um, he's approachable, he's relatable, uh, and he worked so hard for that moment that yeah, like delighted to nominate him. Of course. He was able to do it on the back of some other incredible performances on the day. Jasper Visa, Julian Montoya, um, in particular, I thought were outstanding. Um, and, and then Steve Borthwick has created the whole environment. Yeah, so. I was going to say, if we were doing God of the Week, probably Freddie Burns. And if it was God of the Season, it's maybe Steve Borthwick. So yeah. we'll, we can leave it at that. Congratulations to Leicester Tigers. You're finally back on the top of English rugby after nine years in the wilderness almost got relegated now you're champions of England so go and enjoy it um, if you're a fan of that team we'll be back as we said next week looking forward to all the summer tours Alex is going to be on the ground in in um, Perth so is Stephen Jones but for now this has been a live ruck from the from Richmond the England team hotel and we're just off to soak up some more of the sun before Alex goes on holiday but thanks so much for listening <laughs> holiday <laughs> He goes on a working holiday, <laughs> working tour. Um, but thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe, tell your friends, share it on social media, um, like and subscribe, and join us all next time. Thank you very much. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.